uh, as we continue our series in Walking in Wisdom, I've entitled what I'm going to say about the text that we're going to look at today, Avoiding the Broad Path. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that there are essentially two paths to choose from. The one that leads to life, which is a very narrow and difficult path to, to walk, and the path that leads to, it's a, a broad path, the path that leads to death and destruction and sorrow and hopelessness. So uh, what we're going to be looking at today is some instruction that essentially comes at two levels on how to avoid this broad path, how to stay off of it. I want to start this morning with a quote from an ancient Chinese general. His name was Sun Tzu. He lived in the 5th or 6th century BC, and he wrote this work called The Art of War, which is still extensively studied today in most military schools in the world. The quote says this, it is said that if you know your enemy and know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. So why did I put this quote up there? Well, because the bottom line is the scripture is very clear that we are at war. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are at war. There is no state of neutrality. You're either on the side of light or, on, or you're on the side of darkness. There's no in-between. There's no spiritual Switzerland here. And the reality is, for those who are seeking to follow Christ, for those who are seeking to live according to the dictates of the Holy Scriptures, you will come under assault. Sometimes that assault is direct. There is a direct assault. As our nation, you know, as I uh, surf the web and read books, and uh, I'm a... I'm a, a big fan of history, I love history, uh, and I have been able to see along with others, you know, or at the, the uh, endeavors of others, how history is in fact cyclic in nature, as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, that which is, has been before, and will come again. And so one of the things that I've done over the years is to, to trace the rise and fall of the great civilizations. A statistic that is true is that there have been, over the course of recorded history, 22 great civilizations. And the reality is, is that 19 of them had fallen by the time they reach the same social and spiritual state that our civilization, that Western civilization is right now. And so, uh, you, and as, I, as this occurs, what you see happen is you begin to hear the reports around the country from those who are in these types of ministries, from those who are in Christian ministries, of the rise of direct demonic intervention and intrusion into the life of individuals. So that, that is a, a reality that as our nation, as our civilization departs more and more, into spiritual and moral darkness, we will begin to see the exponential increase of these things happening all across the land, and they are happening right now. So that's when I say that we are under direct spiritual uh, attack, that is what I'm referring to. But at other times, 
the, the attack is indirect. That is, that it comes through the avenue of individuals. It could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be even a member of your family that is under the control of the kingdom of darkness that will be used, that is essentially like a sleeper cell in your life as a believer that will be used to make an attack on you, on your spirituality, on your devotion to following Christ. And so uh, I want you to be cognizant of that as we look in the text today. One more point before we move on. I'd like to read a passage out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 17, which really drives this point home from the perspective of the Scriptures. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the, the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to emphasize there that phrase that says the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's a reference to God's word, and that's what this study of Proverbs is all about, it is to help prepare God's people, to help prepare you for what you will encounter in your walk towards the kingdom of heaven, in your walk with Jesus Christ. So we've been studying Proverbs now over the last several weeks, and it will shortly switch off to another study. But I said three weeks ago that the, the actual title of this book, Proverbs, is actually not a very good translation because the Hebrew translation for Proverbs is the word parable. And what is a parable? As I said before, a parable is a method of communicating uh, spiritual truth under the metaphor of something that most people would readily recognize uh, in their culture and in their times. And so it's a method of delivering spiritual truth to those whom God, through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, has enabled to understand the spiritual components that are being taught under this external metaphor. And when we come to the study of Proverbs or parables, it is important to take note of not only of what lies on the surface, but what lies just beneath the service as well. So in today's Bank of Wisdom sayings, there is a surface level of wisdom teaching and guidance, but the main teaching lies beneath the service, the surface, and with prayer and diligence, it reveals itself to all those who seek to understand its truth that are in Christ Jesus. God does not unlock these secrets to you believers 
easily. He wants you to dig down. He wants you to persevere. He wants you to really put some effort into it. It says in Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. So let's all do that together today as now we begin to drill down into Proverbs chapter 2, verses 10 to 22. So what we have coming in verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 2 is what I have called a prescription or immunization that will protect God's people, that will protect you from something. So read with me Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10, which says, When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. That word wisdom there means shrewdness and prudence, and that it is to be a continual process of increase and growth in the life of the believer. A New Testament uh, passage that kind of gives us a sense of what this is saying here is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 16, which says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So this type of wisdom and prudence and shrewdness that is being spoken of here is one that prepares us and immunizes from the assault that are going to come in from two primary directions or the two directions that are talked about in the text today. So when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, that word knowledge means perception and discernment. When perception, when the ability to perceive the deep truths of Scripture, when you search for them diligently, when they are very precious in your sight, when they are something that bring delight to your soul, it's not just a matter of reading the 10 or 15 verses, verses of devotion that we read for the day, but it's something that you desire. It's something that you come to realize in your life that you cannot live without. If you've walked with Christ or walked this earth for any length of time, you must absolutely con confess that the reason why you're still moving forward, that the reason why you have not sunk down in discouragement and despondency is because at those times, the Holy Spirit leads you to his word, and it leads you there providentially to just the right place that you need to be at to encourage you, to give you that strength and that energy to keep moving forward. I remember years ago, when I was in a particularly despondent time in my life, I went to my pastor and I said, I just don't know how to go forward. I don't know if I can take another, another walk this walk another day. And he looked at me and said, Carmen, he said, you just keep putting one foot forward down in front of the other. And that's where the strength comes. The strength comes from God's word. But God desires that it would become the delight of our soul, as Christ said, the very bread of life that sustains us. So what Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is here saying to his son Rehoboam, 
when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, that it is something that delights you, you crave it and you seek it, that there will be a resultant immunity and protection that comes. In verse 11, it says, discernment will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Discretion is the power to act rightly based upon observing and planning, to plan ahead of time of how you're going to respond to certain situations that come in your life. Do you know that the entire Old Testament, according to the New Testament, has been written for our example and for our admonition, though the culture may be different, though the, 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 uh, the degree of technological advance may be different, God's people will face the same tests in this time that they did in the times of the Old Testament. They're written there so we can learn from them, we can study, and we can think ahead of time of how we're going to respond when certain situations come into our lives or are brought into our lives. That's what they're there for. So discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil. I want you to notice, and I'll point out to you in a couple spots here, where there is the use of the definite article of the. It means it's speaking to a specific way of evil. Okay, it says that it will preserve us, and that is it will stand guard over us. So I looked at this and said, okay, there's a bunch of words here, there's a bunch of definitions. I gotta find a way to, to convey this as best as I can in a way that everyone who's there or is watching or will listen to will understand. So I came up with what I call the CR translation of those verses or the Carmen Rizzo translation which I said, when you with intention and planning embark on a program of gaining perception, discernment, and you learn how to apply them with wisdom, shrewdness, and prudence, the resultant understanding and discretion will guard you from the way of evil. Now, I don't know if that actually explains it or even makes it more confusing, but um, that's the best that I could come up with. Okay. So now we're going to move to that. What is this way of evil that is being talked about here in these verses? Well, if you'll notice that the way of evil here is actually defined in two ways, and it's actually personified in the text under two people, the man and the woman, okay? And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. So let's move on, and let's look at the evil way and how it's defined in two ways. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 12, it says, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, who are devious in their paths. So it speaks about the man, the man, there's that definite article, it's there for a reason, the man, a particular man, who speaks perverse things. Well, that word perverse there 
means to overturn or change. So it's speaking about a particular man or a particular type of man, actually the two are relevant, who takes something that is based upon truth, that is based upon righteousness, that is based upon light, and he begins to twist it and to turn it and to change it. He shifts his direction of travel from one that leads to righteousness to travel in the direction of darkness. He takes pleasure in doing evil and perverting or twisting or changing the truth. He is overjoyed when he sees others walking in the same perversion, who walk the same crooked path in their devious ways. So here the text is talking about a particular evil man who at least for a time is walking on the path of righteousness and the path of light. But over the course of time, he begins to reveal his true nature as he begins to twist and distort the truth as he slowly and gradually departs from the paths of light to walk on the paths of darkness. And his intention is to draw others along that path with him because the text gives us some information about the inner nature of this man is that he rejoices in doing evil and he is delighted when others follow him on this false path. Believe it or not, believers, there are people who walk this path and there are people that the adversary Satan will seed into his church in order to accomplish this very specific thing, to lead God's people away. Okay, so that's the evil man. Now let's move on and take a look at this woman. It says in verse 16, to deliver you from thee, there's that word thee there, it's a particular immoral woman, from the seductress, who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go into her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So this is, an, the, it's called the immoral woman, but basically the Hebrew says it's a strange woman and it also means a harlot or a prostitute. This is a woman who forsakes, which means to depart, or abandon her companion. That word companion there means her guide and her chief. It says that this is a woman who forsakes the covenant of her God. That this is a woman who lives in a house that leads, and that is, that inclines towards death by gradual degrees. And it's the woman whose paths, whose tracks, incline by gradual degrees to the place of shades, that is the abode of the dead. The actual Hebrew word there means shades or the abode of the dead. Okay, so now we have this way of evil that's been personified to us under the metaphor of a man or the man and the woman, right? And so we've talked about the man. There are men who are like this. They are, they're evil in their nature. 
Uh, and if God does not operate redemptively upon their lives, they will walk this path for life. Uh, and there are those who, who are seated into the church and uh, they're wicked and evil. Uh, and you know, the, the church has been rocked by scandals since the beginning of time. Those who claim to be apostles, those who claim to be prophets. You see a lot of these guys on TV, you know, the, the, uh, the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It's a perversion of the truth. It's been perverted by men and women who've come down the line who slowly begin to shift the truth. And then we, now we've looked at this immoral woman who, who you can take it on the surface as, as any woman. You know, I, I checked with some people that I trust on the Hebrew text. As a matter, matter of fact, I spent about 30 minutes with really a Hebrew scholar looking at this because there were some things in this text that just didn't sit right with me grammatically. And, and uh, the individual said, yeah, yeah, this, this actually speaks to the fact that the adversary will seed immoral women into the church uh, to lead men astray, to lead them into adultery, so on and so forth. Okay, so that's, that's the surface right there, right? That is a that is something that you need to be prepared for. You need to know that uh, as, it's, as we're told clearly in the parable of the wheat and the tares, wherever God plants wheat, the adversary, that is Satan, also has planted tares. And that they're indistinguishable from each other until the appointed time. That can be evil men and it can be immoral women. You need to know what to look for so that you can protect yourself, fathers that you can protect your families, mothers so that you can protect your children from these types of predators. That's what they are, they're predators, okay? All right, so let me give you the CR translation, the Carmen Rizzo translation for what we've covered so far. When you with intention and planning embark on a program of gaining perception discernment, and you learn how to apply them with wisdom, shrewdness, and prudence, the resultant understanding and discretion will guard you from the way of evil. From the man who initially walks the path of righteousness, but begins to change over the truth to lead himself and others to follow the path of darkness. He takes pleasure in himself and those who follow him in his perversity, crookedness, and devious behavior. From the strange woman who abandons the guide and chief of her life, who leaves behind the covenant of her God to live in a house that by gradual degrees, degrees inclines to death as she seeks to lead others in the same place from which there is no escape. Okay, now concluding with verses 20 and 22. So that you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Okay, so we've covered the surface level application, which essentially says the cultivation of knowing right from wrong and learning in advance 
how you will react when you encounter those types of evil people here personified as an evil man and woman will preserve and guide you from their path that lead to death and destruction. All right. Now, remember, as I said, the book of Proverbs is actually a book of parables. So there is an underlying spiritual truth here that God is revealing to us. So we've talked about the man and we're talking about the woman. And so what I found curious, as I've already mentioned a couple times, that when I read the text was the, the, uh, the presence of the definite article, the evil way, the evil man, the evil woman, instead of an evil way, an evil man, or an evil woman. So I said, this, seemed, this seems to be something more here at work. So uh, I, I call this friend of mine, who is a Hebrew scholar, and uh, I said to him, I said, I'm confused by this. I said, uh, is the definite article present in the Hebrew? And he looked at it and he said, no. The definite article is not, is not present in the Hebrew text. As a matter of fact, that's, a, that's an oddity throughout the book of Proverbs is the absence of the definite article, the. He said, but it is definitely implied. So this is obviously talking about evil men and evil women, but because the definite article is implied in both instances, in the evil man and the evil woman, it's actually telling us something about something that God's people need to watch out for as a whole. So the evil man there, metaphorically, that's presented metaphorically, is actually, is actually teaching us something about false prophets, about false prophets that will come in wherever God's people uh, gather together. And we have ample proof of this from the New Testament. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we read, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of the truth will be blasphemed. There it is, it's stated another way, the many who will follow their destructive ways will be those who will walk, will follow the broad path that leads to the place from which there is no escape, there is no turning back, as we have been reading in the book of Proverbs. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, we read, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so this book of parables, this passage here, is telling us about evil men who are generally evil, but it's also telling us and warning us that that immunization, that thing that we looked at in verse 10, when your wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, will protect you from evil men, and it will protect you from false prophets 
who have been seated among God's people wherever they gather together. Well, what about the woman? The woman actually is a metaphorical representation of the final destination of apostasy, that is, idolatry and false religion. If you'll notice in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is personified as a woman, here is the antithesis of the woman who is personified, of wisdom that is personified as a woman. And she is a woman that leads people astray, leads people to death, leads people to destruction, leads people to the place from which they cannot return. And it's a metaphor for idolatry and false religion. Just to give you a couple of examples from the New Testament. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, to one of the seven churches, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the, more, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Listen to this. Remember, this woman leads people to death. Listen to what Jesus said. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to his deeds. When the reference there is to adultery in the text, it's actually referring to spiritual adultery. See, that's what false religions do. That's what any skewed presentation of the gospel is. Remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1. Hey, if me or an angel or anyone comes to you declaring to you some other gospel, let him be accursed. Right? So the gospel has been shifted in so many ways, you know, in our culture. You know, I was astounded to read that there was a time when, I don't know if it's still happening or progressing, but this whole wokeness business was even beginning to have inroads into the Southern Baptist Convention. It's like, what is going on here? I mean, years ago, you know, uh, um, years ago, now I'm talking probably 15 years ago, you know, the, the big slogan of, uh, of new evangelicalism began, became creation care. You know, it was there, the greening of the evangelical movement. Now, don't get me wrong, care for the environment is, is important, right? 
but it begins to shift the emphasis of the gospel. That is spiritual adultery. Well, now the scripture is very clear that this is a process that is continuing throughout, throughout time and it will ultimately, ultimately reach its culmination in that time period called the Great Tribulation. When, when, uh, when this immoral woman working hand in hand with the false prophets who introduce and lead people into apostasy and bring them to this immoral woman uh, finally actually uh, reach their, their apex point. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, we read, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth commit fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a young woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and I saw her and I marveled with great amazement. Uh, believers, you can search this out for yourself, but uh, virtually all biblical scholarship arrives at the conclusion that this harlot, this woman, this immoral woman actually represents an apostate expression of Christianity in the end times that begins to persecute and kill the people of God. That's where we're headed, folks, and the Scripture is clear. And the Scriptures are warning us to do what it says. The believer's preparation and protection lies in wisdom, knowledge, and the application of the teachings of Scripture. You know, when Pastor Roman first came to me, you know, and uh, said, hey, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to start a series on the book of Proverbs, and um, I'd like you to help me with it. And I said, okay. And I was thinking, all right, well, you know, what's a proverb? You know, it's two lines. And then when he made the division, and it was like 15, 20 verses a line, I'm like, whoa, how am I going to pull this off? I've never done this before. I want to thank you for that because uh, it caused me to stretch uh, that I begin to see into the text that, that all of the Proverbs are cohesive, right? They're, they revolve around the central theme in any given passage. And, and Pastor Roman forced me to have to, to, to dig deeper and to, and to pray more to come up with the meaning of the text, right? So, but 
ultimately, it's not about stretching me, right? It's about all of us growing together in preparation for what we are facing each and every day. You've heard Pastor Roman thumping, you know, the pulpit up here and how important it is to be focused and, and, and just anchored in God's Word. And that's it, believer. You know, you, you have the Holy Spirit and you have eternal life. And, you know, sometimes there's this attitude, well, hey, you know what? Once saved, always saved. I know I'm saved. I'm saved by the grace of God. There's nothing that I can do to lose my salvation. And so the rest of it is just gravy, right? But you don't want to enter into God's kingdom and have to come up before the throne of Jesus Christ, a place in which we will all have to appear as believers, right, to, to receive the rewards, to give an account of how faithful or unfaithful we were in the gifts that God has given us during our time of sojourning on here. You know, we're, we're, we're only here for a breath of a moment, and then we pass into eternity. And, it's, and the key to doing that, the key to, to getting to that place, to coming up before Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ looking down on you and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. It involves being faithful to God's word and to heed the warnings that it's giving. Now you've heard several warnings over the last several weeks of things to look out for in the book of Proverbs. And you will continue to hear more as Pastor Roman goes into the book of Malachi. I call him, he's an Italian prophet. Malachi, not Malachi. And Doug will go into, you will continue to hear these exhortations and these warnings. But they will only benefit you if you take them to heart. If you make them part of your life. The believer's preparation and protection lies in the wisdom, knowledge, and application of the teachings of Scripture. So wonderfully summed up by the big Awana verse, 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16 and 17, which says, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That word inspiration means God-breathed. The Scriptures are God-breathed. They're God's breath. and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. Listen to this. That the man of God and the woman of God, the term here is generic, may be complete. That word means mature, spiritual maturity. You know that God desires that you would endeavor to achieve spiritual maturity in this life before God calls you into eternity. And make no mistake about it, believer, there are indeed those who never attain to spiritual maturity, to the level of spiritual maturity that God has potentially enabled them to reach. And at, in all of the cases, that lack of spiritual maturity is directly proportional to the amount of time that they don't spend in the Holy Scriptures. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Right? Okay. So let me read. Again, you know, Jake sent me a, 
a text, a quick text this morning. He says, Pastor, he says, you jump right from Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10 to 12, right to 20 and 22. Did you want those verses in between excluded? To which I replied, yes. Because you see, everything between those two verse, those verses actually stands as a parenthetical meant to explain what those four verses are all about. So let me read them to you, uh, and, and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. When wisdom enters your heart, this is Proverbs 2.10, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. And so, as I've gone through the text today, I've operated on the assumption that everyone here is indeed a member of the kingdom of light. That indeed everyone here has made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus. That everyone here has understood that the only way to shift from the path of darkness to the path of light is to recognize that it requires that you recognize the fact that you are a sinner. You recognize the fact that when you study what God's Word says objectively, there is nothing that you can do in and of yourself that would commend you to an eternity in the kingdom of heaven. That there is only one way that God has made a way for you, and that is through the cross, where Christ shed his blood so that you might receive the redemption, so that you might receive the adoption as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of the Father. And uh, you know, it says in the scriptures that we are joint heirs and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. God is holding that out to you if you've not turned to Christ in faith and repentance. And I want to absolutely encourage you, if you haven't done that, and you can feel the urging of the Spirit to maybe have a deeper conversation about it, to maybe ask some more questions about it because you may be confused in some of the points, that you would seek someone out before you leave here today, that you would seek out Pastor Roman, or you would seek out one of the deacons or maybe a friend or someone that you know who is, who is consistently walking with Christ to explain to you more fully and more clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is my prayer and my desire for you, that today you would become a member of the kingdom of light and join us on this journey it's wonderful. It's terrifying. It involves suffering. That's why Jesus said it is the narrow path with many difficulties that leads to life. And you look at that and you, and you go through it and you come to times in your life where you say, I just don't know if I can walk this road anymore. It's too difficult. There's too much suffering. And when we, when we get to those places, 
it's because our eyes have shifted. You know, we are called to, I love the phrase that another pastor who has gone into glory used so often. We've shifted from living with eyes to e- living with eyes for eternity to living with eyes for the temporary. So join us on this journey. I promise you, ask anybody, there ain't never a dull moment.